You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group Unwieldy Studio in West Monroe. Media Days, of course, continue to roll along. Over in Atlanta, you got the SEC Media Days. Over in Frisco, Texas, Conference USA Media Days getting ready to kick off later this afternoon. Sunbelt Conference Media Day will take place next Monday down in the Big Easy. Yep, 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 yep. You ready for some four downs? Sure. What you got today? Are they good ones? They're always good. Yeah. All right, so I I looked, I've been looking at some, some different types of bets. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard of teaser bets? Yes. Okay. So for those who don't know, teaser bets are, it's like a parlay. You take a certain amount of teams and you can do a six point teaser bet or a seven point teaser bet. And if you do, I, 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 for this instance, I did a seven point teaser bet. And so what that means is for every team you select, you can sway the line seven points in your favor. So, but then that means you not only have to get that game right, you, you have get, to get the next one. Right, you, you got to get, right. get multiple games right, however many games you want, but uh, you still get help because you get plus seven. So, for instance, Alabama, I believe today is like minus 25 and a half against Louisville. If I included them in my teaser bet, they would They're be. They're 25-point favorite? Yeah. It will, I, I think, you know, it's seven points, that, that's 18 and a half. I feel confident they're probably going to win by 20 points because Louisville doesn't have Lamar Jackson anymore. So they're an 18-point favorite, and you're adding the seven points. You, they're a 25-point favorite, but if you add the seven points, they become an 18-point favorite. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or, or like in LSU's case, here's a positive one. They're they're plus. Well, they become a 32-point favorite. They're pl- shut up. They're plus two and a half. And then oh, I see. What you, I thought you were making fun no. of LSU. Okay. No. LSU is plus two and a half plus seven they become plus nine and a half mm. if that makes sense mm. so when you see these lines these aren't actual lines these are uh, adjusted with the seven points all that to say aaron if you had the opportunity to make such a bet to sway the lane the line that much yeah i'm going to give you four options we're gonna do this twice because i thought this was fun i'm gonna give you four options i want you to tell me the the line you're most confident in the line that you would choose so, FAU plus 28 versus Oklahoma. So, just to clarify, they're really a 21. They're really point. a 21 favorite. But a 21-point dog. A 20, uh, sorry, 21-point dog. But we're off to a good start here. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, getting, <laughs> we're confusing this way too much. All right. So, you get 28 points with FAU yeah. against Oklahoma. You get minus four with Texas versus Maryland. You get minus three with Louisiana Tech versus South Alabama. Or do you want LSU plus nine and a half versus Miami? Which one of those are you most confident in? You need to make money. Uh, I think it would actually be LSU. That mm. seems like a lot of points. It does, doesn't it? Well, the fact that LSU is an underdog to start with, I think that all dates back to, of course, all the question marks they have on the offensive side of the ball. But you would have to think this is going to be in a low-scoring game no matter what. And then if you get the opportunity to bump up this line and get that many mm-hmm. points for LSU – it seems like a no-brainer. So, yeah, I, I like. I think I agree with you. I like LSU getting nearly 10 points against Miami because I view this game as a pick em, and I think that there's just something about LSU on that big stage that typically yeah. bodes well for them. They, you know, I don't know if that was a Les Miles thing 
or if that's just an LSU thing in general. But they have so many terrific athletes. When you see them for the first time, they look fresh, and they are hard to stop, especially on turf. Now, I, I saying that, obviously Miami has just as good athletes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They are very quick. They are very good at linebacker. I think you could, you could say they're probably the best at linebacker in the country. So That's fine and dandy. We're going to talk a lot about the defenses going into this game. But offensively, we know what LSU has. What does Miami have? Are they even going to be able to move the ball against LSU? That's exactly right because Rozier, the last time we saw him, man, he wasn't looking good. He, he was, I think in, it was either the last three games or the last four games, he completed less than 50% of his passes. Where is his confidence, right? So so that's that's my question. And, and the pressure's on him. The pressure's on Rick to replace him if he doesn't go out there and produce. Miami fans would look at him going, surely there's someone else because it's like LSU. We've got everything, every other position filled. We need the quarterback to, to lead us to victory. So that, because of that and because we don't know – what Burrow is going to look like. He could come out and surprise Miami, and Miami is susceptible to the pass. We saw it last year in those last couple of games. Yes, they get a lot of turnovers, but you can complete a lot of balls against them as well. Yeah, give me 10 points. I say, now, I say that, but I also really like the Louisiana Tech minus three line mm. because when I look at this, you want, you want to break it down just how I did, but you also have that gut feeling when you're looking at these teams and at these games and you're going, I can't see Louisiana Tech losing to South Alabama. I just can't see it. Just like, uh, I, you know, Boise State. I can't see Boise State losing to Troy. Now, obviously, Troy and South Alabama have good football teams. I'm not saying that, but I'm just – you're looking at this season, you're looking at the rest of the schedule, and you have these predictions in your mind as far as win totals that both of these teams are getting, and, and I just can't see them slipping up in the very first game. If Tech loses to South Alabama – Boy, are we coming in here on Monday and having a, a discussion, right? I mean, it's going to be a bad, bad Monday. I just can't see it happening. So if you're telling me that Louisiana Tech has to win by just three points, I like that bet a lot too. And then, of course, the other part of it, you know, if you just go by the the, the spread at 10 points, seems like a lot for Louisiana Tech versus South Alabama. But bump that down to three, bump that down you to like three. your odds a lot better. Absolutely. Now, the Florida Atlantic-Oklahoma game. I like that And you look at Lane too. Kiffin in the course. You fit, look at him going in there as a 21-point dog. You bump this thing, tease it all the way to 28. 28 points. I mean, this is Kiffin's opportunity, of course, to make another, just not a splash, but a national splash just to kind of keep this thing close. Hunter says Florida Atlantic will upset Oklahoma. I'm not going that far, Hunter, but – if you look at this game, I love getting those points because Oklahoma's going to have a new quarterback, and that quarterback is likely going to be Kyler Murray to start the year. I am a huge Kyler Murray fan. I, I, I've always, I've, I've been a huge fan since since I saw him at Allen. I, I think tremendous of him, but I also admit this guy is not an accurate passer. He's just not. And you're going from one of the most accurate passers in college football, but you could go ahead and say the most accurate passer college football last year to a guy who is not very accurate he's he's athletic now if you don't contain him boy he can beat you with his legs but you're this is a complete change so because of that i think kyler murray will make plays against fau but i also think he's going to make some mistakes and i also think they're going to have some three and outs because kyler murray's just going to miss some throws so when you're giving me 28 points to start the game and i also have an fau offense that 
rushed for how many yards? I mean, the, Devin Singletary had nearly 2,000 rushing yards by himself last year. And, and plus, we know Lane's done a great job of gathering players and piecing this team together. So you get me 28 points against Oklahoma, who's having to replace Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I like that a lot. So with those four games with the T's lines, I like uh, LSU, Miami the best. What's next? Do you like Tech or FAU? Uh, well, we Tech's haven't even talked about Texas either. Yeah, Texas, Maryland. I mean, what is the intrigue of that game? Well, Maryland beat Texas last year. Maryland beat Texas last year, and that was the whole I can't sprinkle fairy dust game. Remember that? He, he got into some hot water for saying that after the game. Tom Herman, that is. So I, I think Texas comes out and puts a beating on them. So I, that's why I included that on the list. All right, second down. We move on. More teased lines for week number one. Yeah, so here we've got Stanford minus 7.5 versus San Diego State. Boise State, as I mentioned, minus 3.5 versus Troy. Here's an interesting one, Aaron. Washington plus 10 versus Auburn. And then Michigan plus 4.5 versus Notre Dame. So this basically means Michigan is a uh, three-point favorite. You want to tease it all the way to them being the underdog. Yes. Uh, that's the game of those four that, of course, will generate the most interest with Harbaugh and I don't know, Washington, Auburn too. Shabe Patterson, of course, making his debut, you would think, for Michigan. So, what do you, where are you uh, going? No, uh, I'd take Michigan getting the four and a half points. Dang, I, I hate to agree with you. Yeah, uh, yeah cause I just think Michigan will outright win the game. Uh, because Notre Dame has to replace NFL guards. In the first game of the season against a Michigan team that was top three nationally in defense, you got to replace the the guys who helped carry you to victories last year up front. Ooh, that's quite a task. I, I, that's such a task that I don't think they can win that game. So you're giving me four and a half points. Heck yeah, I'll take that. Just because if by some chance this turns out to be, let's say Shea Patterson doesn't light it up through the air and it's a defensive game, and Notre Dame wins by three points, you still cover. You still win that bet. So I like Michigan with four and a half. Um, another one I like is the Boise State Troy, just because of what I mentioned before. In my in my head, Boise State wins ten games a year. I mean, and Boise State, on paper, is the best team in Group 5. We can have a lot of discussions about that, but on paper, I view them as the best team in Group 5. They should be able to beat Troy you're saying that they only have to win by four four points? Yeah, I like that bet. All right, this feels like a sucker bet to me with the Washington versus Auburn. You tease this thing all the way up to 10 points. This thing will be played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You look at Auburn, of course, and the fact uh, it'll be the third consecutive game in that stadium, losing both the SEC title game and then the Peach Bowl there. So you're telling me Washington is going to come down on that turf and they're going to be able to run with Auburn. This just feels like one of those games where the SEC and the athletic power and, of course, the speed catches up, and Auburn has an opportunity to kind of wax Washington in their own backyard, or at least in the South. Yeah, well, I could see it either way, though. I could see it either way. You're shaking your head, but Washington— Even teasing it up, give me Auburn plus the 10. Uh, minus, minus the, the 10. 10. Well, you could if, you, if that's the way you feel about it, Aaron, you could do Auburn plus four. Yeah. Well, even better. Yeah, even better for you. I think one of these games, one of these high-profile games is going to end in a blowout. We, we see it all the time. It, typically, it's, it's it's the Alabama game. Alabama's probably going to put it on Louisville. Wouldn't shock any of us. Um, but I just got a feeling about this Auburn-Washington game, and I could see it going either way, that one team just runs away from the other. Let's not forget, the last time we saw Auburn, UCF was putting a hurt, hurting on them. 
okay? So I could see it going either way. And for that reason, I think I would stay away from that bet. Yeah, I would load up on Auburn. <laughs> okay. And then the last one was Stanford, minus 7.5, San Diego State. Do I care? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What time is this game kicking off? Uh, I think it's actually a Thursday night okay. game. Thursday or Friday. Right. It's it's one of those. I, I, I enjoy that they do that. Yeah. I love that college football weekend. I weekend. hate it when they put it on Friday nights. Well, I, I agree with that just because we're out at high school games. But I do enjoy the fact that you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. All right, for listeners out there, you can already tell Jake has a major problem. And when sports betting does come to this state, uh, there will be some diapers money that will be spent on gambling. So now you're already making your plans. You're already teasing these games. So you're already making arrangements on how you can make it to Mississippi on a weekly basis, correct? (laughs) It's not hard. I could just go to Vidalia and (laughs) go right across the river. But, uh, no, I do not have a problem. So you're going to act like you want to go home all the time to visit the (laughs) in-laws and the parents, but in – all actuality, you're just going to place a wager. No, no, no. So are you going to take my bets with you when you go over there? It, well, I can I, place bets three. There will be no uh, you could, juice. Yeah, yeah. You I, you could send bets on with me if you want to. Do I get a give line? Me a, do I excuse to go? Do I get a line of credit or how's this going to work? What do you mean line of credit? I'll, I'll give you the money. No, I'm, I got to give you the. Do I have to give you the money up front? Yeah, yes. <laughs> And you could go ahead. Actually, you could pay for our, my first couple of bets <laughs> since you haven't paid up on the bets we've made on this show. How about that? Uh, those are the first two downs of four downs. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. Let me tease third down before we go because I want to see what people say. Okay. So third down is name three coaches at any level that you would love to sit down with for a roundtable discussion. Can we twist this a little bit and say you have to pick one from NFL, one no. from college, and one from high school? No, any coach. But you can use it at, at any level because I, I want to see what people say. Um, so if you could sit down with three coaches. Dude, if you have Mike Leach on your list. Oh, 100%. And if you have Lane Kiffin and Matt Canada on that list. <laughs> I, I didn't go that far, yeah. but Leach does. Oh, Matt, I want to see Matt Canada and, Ed and, Orders, and Joe Oliva. Well, not a coach, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. They've already had that roundtable discussion. <laughs> Let's make it, it didn't public. go well. Let's make it public. <laughs> Man, how long would you give Orgeron before he blows a gasket and comes across that table? <laughs> More reasons to have him at the roundtable. That's, right, that's right. So let us know. who If you could sit at a table with three other coaches who would those coaches be you could pick their brains on all things football and then a fourth down question coming up and it centers around nfl running backs that's coming up next on the morning drive on sports talk 97.7 welcome back to the morning drive aaron and jake hanging out here in the caldwell banker group one realty studio in west monroe hey what are we doing tomorrow for top 10 thursday how about top 10 sc media day moments of all time you're shaking your head. That's good audio. I'll find clips on YouTube so you don't have to cut it. Right. And let's right. work for you, and it'll be entertaining. When are we doing the all-time sports movies? That's next week. The summer's running out. Next week, trust me, we'll get to it next week. And the whole week, we can devote it to sports movies. Right. Is that okay with you? Your third down question did not produce one text. <laughs> not one text. Nobody I thought it was a pretty good question. I did, too. Fine, fine. But if I say best sports movie of all time, it would produce a, sure. a, a text or two. Yeah. Low-hanging fruit, I know. but Anyway. What's your third down question? I thought it was interesting. Name three coaches at any level that you would love to sit down with for a roundtable discussion of all things football. And I, I really, struggled on this one. I meant bit. to say past or present. Yeah. 
So I might have cheated. All right. Let me know what you got. So I was thinking about going Belichick, Lombardi, and Saban just to you, you pick. Low-hanging fruit. Absolutely, but I didn't go there. Right. Instead, I went Steve Spurrier, okay. Mike Leach, and Mike Dicka. I how, knew Leach would be on there. How entertaining would that be? They all are very, in, you know, they all are very knowledgeable on the sport, for sure, no doubt. And they all have colorful personalities. So when you get those three in the room together, come on, that's got to be. You're talking about some of the one of the greatest discussions ever. All right, you had Leach, Ditkin. Who was the third? Spurrier. You just mad? I, my list is better than yours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you have? Uh, my list sucks. <laughs> uh, you got to have Nick Saban in this discussion. I thought about Saban, but my goodness. It's just like having Belichick. Well, that's the same. But then if it's – I mean, are we talking round table where, you know, the cameras are rolling or is this just three coaches sitting around Saban and you're just kind of you're just kind of eavesdropping on what's being said? Yeah, Saban would be, be, would be better than Belichick, I you think. You think? I, I don't think know. so. Dude, did you watch the the, the the two Bills, yeah. 30 for 30. Yeah. Belichick, even when his guard, I guess his guard couldn't have been down too much because the cameras are right. I had him. more of a problem with that because I'm not a, Bill Parcells does nothing for me. Yeah. I don't know. I think Saban. But like I said, that was a camera roll and he knew what was being recorded with the two Bills. He did. He did. Still, it's still a relaxed setting. Yeah. I, I just think Saban would be more enjoyable. Talking about a round table like this, and I think it feels like we've seen it too many times played out on TV. What about Gruden in the mix? Or is it because it's just worn out uh, all these quarterback things that he's done in the past where you felt like you've seen it, you've mm-hmm. watched him discussing and breaking down football where it's just an old act at this point? Uh, I'll give you Gruden just because I go back to Hard Knocks again. I think it was last season he made his rounds. I forgot who was even featured on last season. But anyway – Wherever they were, he made his rounds, and he popped up and was talking to some players, and I enjoyed watching that. You know, he was talking to veteran players, and just seeing him interact in a football setting, his passion gets me fired up for football. So I'll give you Gruden on that on that list. The other thing about Gruden is I think he could poke the other two that were in the room, and he could, you know, the back and forth would be a sure, lot better. Sure, sure, sure. He'd know how to instigate certain things. You, you could get into a case with my list where they're all just kind of looking at each other. Yeah. Nobody really wants to talk. I mean, I guess Dicka could kind of get things going. And uh, my final one, I'll just throw him out there. you got to go in the high school ranks. i just throw Tommy Tharp in there just so he could oh, be invited yeah. to a party. <laughs> Uh, so you got Tharp, Saban, and Gruden. Yeah. That's not bad, man. Yeah. That's fun. And I think Tharp could make Saban laugh a few times. I think he could, too. Yeah. I definitely think And I think uh, Saban would want to punch him in the nose a few times, too. <laughs> would Saban be fake laughing or? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelo anyway. says, Paul Brown, Tom Landry, Newt Rockney. Tom Landry, I don't know. You don't know how he would do in that setting. Yeah, it just goes back to the whole how entertaining would it yeah. be. Yeah. Look at Ty. Same Ty. He'd have the same as mine. Okay. Great minds think alike. That's right. 
Anyway, I enjoyed the question. I guess only four of us did, so that's good. I'm glad, you know, Todd, Kevo. Hey, by the way, uh, Doug Peterson was in town over the summer, and uh, he basically spent a day up there at ULM just talking football with Coach Viator and the staff. And how cool is that, just to be able to p- pick his brain a little bit? You're talking about a Super Bowl-winning coach and some of the things throughout his past that have worked in the, you know, all the way back to the high school days and then all the playing days with Brett Favre and then, of course, most recently as a coach in the NFL. Uh, I would kind of like to have been a fly on that wall inside the ULM Fieldhouse. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I always think it's cool to see, and that's that's where it's trouble because when they get in front of the cameras, they do act differently, but I would love to just see how they interact with one another and just talk football. Mm. I, I guess that's nerdy, but I, I find that fascinating. Mm. All right, you ready for fourth down? Yeah, what you got? All right, the Le'Veon Bell news has dominated the NFL, so – thought this was a great time to ask. If you had your choice of one running back next year, you could pick one of the three. Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, or Ty Gurley. Who, who are you taking, Aaron? All right, this is a tougher question than I actually uh, thought. So mm-hmm. you first start with uh, Bell and the news coming out that uh, they're franchise tagging him for another year. So what that means is he will be a free agent next year. So this year – is basically his contract year. You look over the course of what the last uh, three years and what Bell has done. I mean, these are just some gaudy numbers. This being a contract year with him and him knowing that he's got to have another huge season to get what he thinks he deserves on the market, which he thinks he should get $14, $14.5 million, correct? Mm-hmm. Motivation, a huge part of it. That's Bell's argument right there. Ezekiel Elliott, we all know what happened last year. How much does he come back and and out to show that he's back to what he was as a rookie? But with that said, I mean, you know defenses are just going to line up to slow down Ezekiel. They're going to have to some way establish some sort of passing attack with Dak and whoever the wide receivers they throw out there. I would go Ezekiel Elliott, but just that alone scares me a little bit. Todd Gurley, I think two of his three years that he has been in the league, he's rushed for over 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's in another situation where I think it's going to be very soon we're going to hear from Todd Gurley where he's not happy with the, his contract because he's basically on the hook for another two years. So who are you going? And then fourth you had – No, it was just those three. Yeah. Uh, I would almost have to go with Bell. Okay. I can make an argument for all three. Um, since you go Bell, I will go Todd Gurley. Uh, when he's healthy – in an offense that knows how to properly use him. Last year, uh, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. And 8,800 receiving yards. So you're talking about a guy who can affect the game both as a rusher and as a pass catcher. So I've always been a big fan of his. You know, since the first time I saw him, which was his very first college game, uh, it was against Buffalo, kickoff right to him. He he takes it back 100 yards. And right then and there, it's – it's a moment I remember because there are very few guys that big where you go, how does he move like that? Oh. <laughs> He's so big, but he is so fast. And so I think, um, you know, I was concerned about him after that, his, his sophomore slump, I guess you could say, in the NFL. But now in an offense that knows how to use him, man, he was a beast. And I might be incorrect here, but I think he was the, the top fantasy player last year. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot, but it just goes to show you that he was producing at, at, a, at a high rate last year. So I, I look forward to what he does again under uh, McVay this year. 
But you look at Bell's numbers, he's had three seasons with at least 74 receptions and 600 yards receiving, look. all which came in seasons where he had at least 1,286 yards rushing and seven touchdowns. Look, I can make an argument for any of them. I chose to be different from you and go with Gurley. But Bell, I've always just been so impressed by his patience. It's one thing to talk about it, but to see him actually do it, I, I think that's probably the hardest thing to do as a rusher is to be patient and use your vision. And Bell does that better than anybody. So if you want to argue that Bell's the best back in the NFL, how, how can I mm. you know, argue against that? Mm. So I go Bell, you go Gurley, nobody takes Elliott. Yeah, I, I just think Elliott has you – know, last year was a bad look. Yeah. It was a bad look. Uh, he's obviously talented. And I think I actually saw NFL.com recently did the top running backs list, and I think they had him number one as the best back in the NFL. And I, I don't know, man. I, I think he's very talented. But, again, last year was a bad look. If I have the choice, I'm going Gurley or Bell over him. Uh, this is a nice fifth down question. We'll kind of lead into some sound from Ed Orgeron in the next segment. Trent wants to ask, uh, you think Joe Burrow will get the start? Yes, there's no doubt. And, and if you listen to Orgeron's quotes, he's talking about he wants to have one quarterback versus Miami. He doesn't want to have two starters, but he will if no one takes the starting job. To me, that's he could have said it this way, but he didn't. If Joe Burrow is as good as advertised, he's our starter. He will start versus Miami. We will have one quarterback. If he for some reason isn't and he doesn't separate himself from the pack, then we'll go into that game with multiple guys. What does that say about the development of the three other quarterbacks on the LSU roster? If a guy can just walk in off the street and okay, all of a sudden Okay, it's not just one guy. It's not just the guy off the street. Well, on the flip side, what does that say about Joe Burrow? Maybe he's just that good. I think there's a little bit of truth in both of those things you just said. I think Burrow, Burrow is really good. I also think that uh, development at quarterback is not LSU's forte. Uh, let's hear Ed Orgeron breaking down the quarterbacks after the break on the morning drive. You can hit us up at 888-993-7762. We're back after this. You said yesterday you were like, man, I bet Orgeron just is taking a big deep breath and probably today or yesterday he was just lounging around the pool correct yeah, well i said that i if i was if i had to participate in one of these i would much rather go monday get it over with otherwise you're a coach you're watching all this on tv you're just dreading it like oh they're gonna ask me something. what's their dread you get to talk about the team that you love and about your players well how many coaches get to do just that right i mean that's for the most part, there's a question surrounding your team or something off the field, or maybe you're like Dan Mullen and moved over to Florida. you got to talk about that. Hmm. I'm sure these coaches dread this day. Hmm. We'll get into the questions you want to ask Nick Saban uh, here in a little while. As uh, It's Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, and Missouri that are up to the mic uh, this morning. Who went early this morning? I think it's actually Mississippi State's going first. I think they have the, the honors. I want to hear from Moorhead today. I do, too. I'm anxious to hear what he says just because, like I said, they are quickly becoming the darling of the SEC. People are starting to buy in on Mississippi State's chances in the SEC West. Mm. Do you not Do you not see it as so? I mean, who else? Auburn, Auburn could, but who else besides Auburn can trot out a defensive line of the caliber of Mississippi State's? Mm. And SEC... The SEC is a conference built on defensive lines, is it not? Mm -hmm. That's what separates them from every other conference in the country. That's what we've been taught since day one. 
So with with their with with guys like Sweat and Simmons up there, yeah, why they they should be considered as, as one of the best teams in the conference. We want to hear a little bit from uh, Ed Orgeron as he was at the mic and of course asked some tough questions and it included uh, what he's going to do at the quarterback situation. Uh, a quick statement and then we'll uh, open the floor to a question and answer. Hey guys, great to see everybody. Uh, obviously we're excited for the start of fall camp. Our team has had an outstanding summer. Player practices has been great. Uh, attendance and meetings, uh, one hour on Monday and one hour on Wednesday on installation has been fantastic. Our guys are working hard in the weight room. Our freshmen look good. We have our whole team together starting practice on August 4th. It's going to be an exciting year. Thanks, Coach. And if you'll raise your hand, we'll get a microphone to you for Q&A. We'll start right over here on the left, second row. Good afternoon, Coach. Coach, what's your vision, vision for the offense and the person selected to play the quarterback position? Yes. Uh, our vision for the offense is to have a an offense which fits the quarterback skills. Uh, we're very multiple in the things that we can do. If the quarterback skills say that he's a runner, we have quarterback runs in our offense. If he's a drop back thrower, we can do that. It all depends on the type of quarterback that we have. Uh, obviously, we have several quarterbacks that are dual threat quarterbacks. We have one quarterback that's a pro-style quarterback, and we haven't found out what Joe can do yet, but we do believe that he is a dual threat and do both. But we're going to see in camp. Obviously, we have some base plays that we're going to run regardless who the quarterback is, and then we're going to tailor some plays to the skills of the quarterback. Uh, we want our quarterback, our offense to be 50-50. I want the quarterback to be a leader and a playmaker and a decision maker and lead this football team. We'll go right down here on the front row, left side. Uh, when you think back to, to much earlier in your career, how would you describe the challenge of being just a first-time head coach? Yeah, everything's new. Everything is new. Every day is new. Now I can rely on experiences. I can rely, make decisions on, you know, this work. I, I, I faced this before. I want to do it this way. I don't want to do it that way. As you get older and more mature, you tend to lean on your mentors a little bit more. You know who the right mentors are to lean on. I have some mentors that I believe in. So I think that's a combination of all those things. Back on and, and, and that you would do differently if you had it to do over again the very first year. Oh, there's a bunch. <laughs> there's a bunch, you know. And choosing a staff, I think I'd take my time in choosing a staff and make sure that uh, they're the right guys. They're the right guys that fit and they're able to do the things that we want to do on the same page. Go right back here on the back road on the right side. Hi, Coach. So I read this article that said SEC Media Days this year is a little bit different because there aren't really that many household names, no really big names that people hear a lot. So what would you say about your guys, even though they may not be household names yet, what would you say about them? We're very proud of our guys. And uh, we feel that uh, Rashard Lawrence, Devin White is probably the best, if not one of the best linebackers in America. Foster Morrow is an outstanding leader for us. So we very proud of our guys at LSU. If they're not household names, they may become household names this year. Coach, um, talk about Joe Burrow and what you've learned about him since his transfer that you like and what uh, Coach Ensminger brings to the quarterback table that perhaps yeah. we haven't seen at LSU prior. Joe loves football. Uh, he's in the office studying film on his own. He's very smart. He's very determined. He's in great shape. I watch him run. He's competing to be the first on all sprints. He's not, on, he's not first on all sprints. He's a competitor. 
He's quiet. Uh, he's working hard to earn the respect of his football team by doing the right things. Steve Ensming is a great game day caller. He's a tiger. He has a lot of experience. Uh, Steve and I are on the same page. We, When I hired him, we came up with a blueprint. He and I were on the same page with that blueprint. Obviously, there's going to be some changes according to what our skills are, our different players, but we want to throw the football. Uh, we want to be 50-50. Uh, Steve is an experienced football coach and a guy I trust. And also, uh, like I said in there, Steve's a great recruiter. He's done a good job of recruiting our football team. I'll go right here in the middle on the left side. Coach, what's your thoughts of opening up on a Sunday night on national TV against a good Miami team? What a, what a, what a great opportunity. You know, uh, Dallas, Texas, Cowboys Stadium. Uh, Texas is a big recruiting area for us. Is where we got Jamal Adams. We've got several of our players uh, on our football team from that area. I uh, have a lot of respect for Coach Rick. He's done a tremendous job. He's brought the U back. Uh, I coached at the University of Miami for for four years. I know exactly what that temperament is down there, the type of football players they have. It's going to be a tremendous challenge. Like I said, you know, you start all-season workouts and you open up with Miami, everybody walks in with their chest up, their eyes up, and they're ready to go. I'll go to the camera platform on the left side back here. Over here, Coach. We asked Foster about just um, how important it is to keep LSU, Louisiana talent at LSU, mm -hmm. and he really said that, you know, we carry LSU wherever we go, and we carry Louisiana wherever we go. How important is it to you to just keep Louisiana recruits and LSU talent at LSU? It's the first step. It's the basis of all our recruiting. Here's our philosophy. To recruit the best players in the state of Louisiana, to keep them home at LSU and play for the Tigers go out of state and recruit potential number one draft picks like we have done so many years. This is a great year in the state of Louisiana. We have a strong recruiting class right now. We have a couple of guys to close on. We have some commitments that are recruiting for us at LSU. That makes it very powerful. But I do know this, the uh, battles have just begun and uh, they're gonna be all the way down to the stretch and we're going to be prepared to keep our guys in state. We'll go to the cam camera platform, far right back. As someone who played uh, defensive tackle in college, you know, uh, what does it take to make a great defensive tackle, and do you think Rashard has exhibited uh, that? I think the tenacity, explosiveness out of your hips, change of direction, great hand strength, smart, relentless. He has all those intangible plus. Rashard's a great student. Rashard's a 3.8 grade point average uh, student. He can read sets. He can make communication on the line of scrimmage. And he's a tireless worker. Stay on the camera platform right in the middle, all the hey, way in the coach. back. Uh, you guys haven't beaten Alabama since 2011. You get them at home this season. Just when that time comes on the schedule, what are you preparing for the defending national champs? Obviously a very good football team. Coach well by Coach Saban. Uh, they've had the number one recruiting class for many years ago, but you know what? We've had some battle with them now. Close is not good enough. I take it back uh, two years ago. We're going 0-0 into the fourth quarter. Give, give them the credit. They made plays we didn't. Last year was a physical ball game. We, handled, we hung in there toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. They made the plays and we didn't. Uh, we understand, I understand, that being the head coach at LSU, you have to beat Alabama. That's the benchmark. Go over here to the front row, all the way to the left. Just given how much production y'all lost on offense, do you think, especially early on against Miami and then those next two uh, conference games in September, that the defense is going to have to kind of step up and carry y'all? You know, um, 
that would be uh, some uh, logical thinking, but we cannot think that way. We have to be full speed. We have to go against a very good Miami defense, a good, very good Miami offense that scores points. We need, we need to be clicking on all cylinders the first game. Then we play Southeast Louisiana, then we play Auburn. So we have to start fast. We have to get this team ready on all three phases of our team. Now, whether we can do that or not, that remains to be seen, but that's our goal. Go to the front row over here on the right. Coach, how important is it to have assistance that you are totally comfortable with? And with that in mind, will you delegate the offense to Steve or how much input will you have in mm -hmm. the plan every week? First of all, I totally trust Steve. I totally trust Jerry Sullivan. I've worked with uh, Tommy Robinson and James before, and I totally trust Mickey. So those, these guys, I have no problem walking in there and saying, hey, man, what are we doing here? This needs to be fixed. And I'm sure they have no problem saying, yes, sir, you're right. So I think that we're on the same page as that. But as far as me being in there on a daily basis, I'm not going to do that. I choose to spend most of my time on defense and on special teams. But if I do see something that I think is wrong, I have complete authority going there and say, hey, what are we doing? We need to fix this. And they're going to say, yes, sir, you're right. That's how we work. We'll go to the camera platform all the way in the back on the left. Hey, Coach, is the quarterbacking job completely wide open? How do you get four guys reps? <laughs> and if it was up to you, when would you start to have separation, yeah. whether you tell us or not? Yeah. Well, here's uh, – is it easy to get four guys reps? No. Okay. We would have liked to have a starting quarterback by the end of spring. It didn't work that way. Uh, no one has earned a starting quarterback position at LSU. There's been some inconsistencies. There's been some great days. Uh, now you add Joe Burrows to the mix. So what we're going to do, we're going to have split practices. We're going to have a newcomer practice early in the morning to get two quarterbacks reps early in the morning and then have a um, – a veteran practice in the afternoon. Now, we're only going to do that for three days, but we do believe we can get quarterbacks indoctrinated to the new installation and give them some reps. We're going to rotate how we play our quarterbacks in practice. We may have two seven-on-sevens. We won't have two teams. We'll have two seven-on-sevens to give them the amount of reps that they can. Go to the camera platform over here to the right. Hey, Coach, when we talked to Dave down in New Orleans, he, one of the guys asked him if, if he ever yells get his message across. And he said he doesn't. He said he found a different way to communicate. You sound like you might have yelled a day or two in your life. But yeah. uh, what do you think of his style of coaching? Why is it so effective? I think everybody has their own style. And obviously, you have to coach who you are. Dave is one of the smartest football coaches I've ever been around. Uh, Dave can look at a play and knows what every all 22 players are doing like that. Some coaches are like that. Some coaches are not. Uh, Dave studies the game 24-7. Dave is a uh, very technical football coach, but he doesn't believe in being loud and doesn't believe in speaking a lot of words. But when he does speak, it's in specifics. Uh, Dave is, is uh, big on running through the football. He's big on tackling and fundamentals, but he's just not a big yeller. Uh, that's not who he is. So I respect that, and I think he's darn good at what he does. Good stuff there from uh, Ed Orgeron. Uh, some of the questions coming from the TV media room earlier this week at the SEC Media Days. I've got an issue with one of those questions. Somebody, Which one? Somebody asked uh, that the 
to, to talk about the players because there are no household names in the SEC this year. Right. Georgia and Alabama just played in the national championship game with both starting quarterbacks returning. What are you talking about? And Devin White wasn't too bad on LSU's defense. <laughs> I think people know who Devin White is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. You got a question with uh, a beef with the media. Huh? Well, it's just like the questions like that. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Where does that? Where did that come from? Because because they said uh, one of the storylines heading into this year. Who's saying that? Orgeron also ran out of adjectives or basically used up his entire vocabulary when he tried to describe Rashard Lawrence and what attributes he brings to LSU. Still didn't do him uh, justice, I, I believe. Trent can't be going. He can't say that about his own coach, can he? What 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 did he, he say? Trent's talking about a uh, greedy, and then he's talking about what a fool. Reference to Orgeron. No star. Well, he's talking about the reporter. My bad. He's talking yeah, about the I was reporter. confused what you were saying. <laughs> I knew Trent wouldn't be talking bad about Coach Orgeron. <laughs> Not until after Week One in That's Miami. Right. That's right. My bad. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We put a bow on the morning drive. Coming up next on the morning drive. I cannot believe how fired up you just got uh, 30 what? seconds ago. The ESPYs are tonight. Jake just figured out that the ESPYs are tonight, hosted by Danica Patrick, and he is fired up. I like the ESPYs. What's wrong with the ESPYs? Huh. What is wrong with the ESPYs? There's nothing wrong with it. I just, that excitement. Yeah. Who do, people don't like the ESPYs? Yeah, but I don't get, you know, I don't think it's must-see TV. Look, man, we're in the summer. There are only a few things. You to, are right about that. So it's something to watch. I, I'll say this. Can we call an audible on Top 10 Thursday? Sure. I was trying to look up clips on YouTube. That's going to be much more difficult than yeah. I anticipated. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's either do Top 10 players in the NFC South or. I think we can hold off on that one. We can do a Top 10. SP's version. SPs of local SPs. Uh, I see we go that route. Okay. We'll uh, just make Trent says video. you're just fired up for Danica. Will Danica throw some shade towards his uh, her boyfriend, Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I think she should come out and have a few jokes about it. That would loosen up the crowd and, you know. Yeah, probably so. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I, I like Danica more now than I used to. Uh, can you imagine the pressure that is on her right now, thinking about – that moment, and of course, what's going to happen tonight? Well, That's tough. If you think it's bad at an award ceremony with actors, actors no selling your jokes. Yeah. Athletes are worse. Yeah. They do not want you to talk bad about them, even if it is in a playful manner. Unless you're Peyton Manning and your timing is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody just likes well, you've Peyton. Got a lot of experience. Everybody likes too. Peyton to begin with, so he's like the only guy that can get away with that. So Jake's all in on the SP. Yeah, tonight. let's go SPs. I'm excited. Yeah. It is part of our parting shot. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. It's time for Parting Shots, sponsored by no one. Sort of, if you want to know the truth about it, pisses me off. We're not afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Go on. Come on, ask it. Ask it. Or you're not capable. Okay, coach, how flexible is Nick White? Is your head in the sand? Can you, are you flexible enough to get your head in the sand? My suspicion would be no. I can, you can't. Easy, coach. At least he doesn't disappear in Mexico for long periods of time. 
think you must have been either um, head in the clouds, away on holiday. Some thought-provoking parting shots. Well, you must be very stupid. I'm sorry. C congratulations. Uh, um, congratulations. I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's got to be the stupidest question. Yeah, I think Nobody so. will top that at SEC no. or Conference USA Media. The Eastern one was bad yesterday, yeah. but... Uh, no, not, not that bad. Nobody will say congratulations, Skip Holtz, on that big win against UAB last year. Mm. Or Southern Miss. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. You're right. Uh, Aaron pipes in on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead hotline text line, says he prefers Justin Verlander's wife over Danica any day. Oh, who, who is that again? Kate Upton. Yeah, Kate Upton. That's right. I believe. Yes, you're, you're right. All right, let's get to a couple parting shots, and we need to uh, revisit. Uh, there is a huge trade breaking in the NBA. Yep, so in case you've been living under a rock, uh, Toronto and San Antonio. Or just sleeping. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. It's only 8.52. In case you're just waking up, uh, San Antonio and Toronto have agreed to a trade that will involve Kawhi Leonard to Toronto, sending him to Toronto, and DeMar DeRozan going to San Antonio. Neither seem to be excited about this trade, and we don't know the full details. We don't know what else will be packaged in this multiple-player deal. Well, if Leonard has been pressuring the Spurs, of course, to ship him out of San Antonio, he should just be happy that a deal has been agreed to. He goes to Toronto, plays out his one year, then literally he can go anywhere he wants. And then he can make his way over to L.A. and play with LeBron. Yeah, but it's so easy to say that. But we're talking about you're having to move somewhere for a year. You're having to play somewhere you don't want to play. They can afford the movie, A man. year is a long time. Yeah, yeah but I'm not talking about yeah, affording Yeah, but you just anything. can't dictate, I'm talking hey. about, you know, how, well, you know you, how annoying it is to move somewhere? Oh, yeah. Okay, so think about that. I understand. Just in terms of that. But he kind of, I mean, he's not going to get his wish. Hey, you've got to trade me to the, to the Lakers. I mean, Popovich and them aren't going to do that anyway. I get that, but I'm just saying, don't expect him to be excited about going to Toronto. We're saying, like, oh, suck it up. It's just a year. Man, a year's a long time, and you have to move all your stuff, and then you have to move it again in a year's time. Mm. I I feel for that. All right, uh, we got SEC Media Days uh, continue day three. got uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, and Missouri. Conference USA Media Days over in Frisco. Fox is on his way, so he will have – a lot of different sound from uh, all the coaches over there. A few players, including uh, Teddy Veal and Jalen Ferguson. Uh, Louisiana Tech, I believe they step up to the podium around 3.30 or so. So you can certainly look forward to that on his show coming up later today. couple of texts here. Aaron says he doesn't even have to move. I'm pretty sure he can afford rent at two different yes, homes. Exactly. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Richie says Danica became okay once the first female stock car driver stuff died out or when racing pundits finally learned she just isn't that great at racing. Mm, throwing shade towards Danica. Yeah. Well, now she's uh, she's dating up. She's dating Aaron Rodgers. I heard the story about her and uh, Aaron Rodgers and why I sat through this interview with Danica Patrick. Who knows? Because I think it happened about a month ago when she officially retired. Uh, she talked about the first time she met Aaron Rodgers, and he gave her his email address. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Hey, yeah. What a baller Let's move. do something. Uh, here's my email. Here's my email. Get with my guys. Call me at the office. Yeah. No, Call no, the here, Packers. Here's my email. <laughs> my agent will get with me. What a baller move.
She could. I mean, she had to email him after that, right? <laughs> she should have been offended. Well, no digits. Well, Danica's, you know, C level. Aaron's A level, <laughs> right? I mean, let's let's. She's hosting the ESPYS, which is a shock to all of us. <laughs> I wonder how she'll do. Oh. All right, that's what we get to look forward to tomorrow. Jake grading uh, Danica Patrick's performance at the ESPYS. What time is the ESPYS? Uh, probably around seven o'clock oh, or so. I, I got to work around then, but <laughs> I'll, I'll record it and watch it. No, LSU softball is over, man. You're fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, we get to look forward to that tomorrow, plus a top 10 Thursday. And, of course, continue to break down football talk at the media days at the SEC and Conference USA. Everybody have a fantastic day. We'll yell at you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.